It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstyle. And welcome to Car Con Carne. Still doing this thing from home. I'm James Van Alstel, and as we're recording this episode of Carcon Carne, it's worth mentioning Carcon Carne now has a pal in the podcasting space. Carcon Carne has a sister podcast, if you will. I will. It's called Music of Chicago. What this is, it is a podcast featuring nothing but independent music from the big city of Chicago, the suburbs, the excerpts, the general DMA, as they say. All Chicago music, and I know what you're thinking. Hey, James. Music in a podcast, you can't do that. that. That's against the rules. Generally speaking, that is true because a podcast is a mechanical download. And that means when you put someone's copyrighted content in that podcast and allow them to download it to their computer, phone, whatever, you're giving away copyrighted material. But Music of Chicago solicits music from the license owners of their music. And those license owners grant permission to the Music of Chicago to share their music, to evangelize their music via this podcast platform. It is all about Chicago. It's all about you. Music of Chicago, it is findable on Apple. It's findable on Google. Not findable on Spotify because they don't like podcasts that include music. I think they want podcasters to use their anchor relationship. I digress. Music of Chicago, it's a thing. It's happening. It is uh, it is available for you to consume new episodes every Friday. Now, Carquin Carney, this episode that you've so kindly decided to listen to and or watch right now, uh, welcomes a returning guest. He is banned from Twitter. You will not see this man's face on the Twitter platform anytime soon unless the people have their way, unless the will of the people is honored. His name is Mike Vanderbilt, and he is a, a cinephile. He is a horror file. He is a podcaster. He's a bartender. He's a little bit of everything. He's a delight is what he is. He's a damn delight. Mike Vanderbilt, welcome oh, back. Thank you for having me back, James. Always good to be back. So why were you banned from Twitter? Uh it's not even a very good story. I posted, do you remember Hito Rick? Mm -hmm. The internet uh, viral sensation. He was down at hedonism. He was an older guy in a speedo and the uh, ripping and a tear and the wild women. That was his catchphrase. It was, you know, in the early days of viral videos. And uh, I posted it to my Twitter, you know, it's, you know, 15 year old video, but it has copyrighted music in the background to your point. And uh, I got a DMCA takedown notice and I was I was sleeping off a hangover the day after Labor Day, and I never took the link down, and all of a sudden I was suspended. MIA gone. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's for real. And those those algorithms, not even algorithms, those bots that scrape for copyrighted music. I mean, I had music playing in the background. I did a live feed on Facebook once. Shut down immediately. Just it, it, like the faintest of sounds. It's amazing. Yeah, because the point of the video isn't even the song that's in the background. Right. I would have never, I couldn't even tell you what song it was, but I believe it was a Beyonce tune, and I'm sure her lawyers want their money. For sure. For sure. Well, I, I'm glad we can share you on Facebook and YouTube and yeah, various it podcasting me, platforms. It made me finally uh, sign up on TikTok, but I feel like a narc being on TikTok right. at, at 41 years old. See, I, I've had issues with Twitter. I've been on Twitter forever. I, I've been on, I think, since their first year. And there are many things I like about Twitter. I Twitter can be Twitter can be the best social media platform for promoting yourself if you work 
in media or if you do anything really because Agreed. with facebook you're kind of just sharing with your friends but with twitter you could potentially be sharing with the world i think easier than with facebook what turned me off of twitter and i was pretty active on twitter for a very long time uh, what turned me off over the past few years uh it became a platform for donald trump for four years people if not praising him complaining about him and that was all i saw was polit <laughs> political shit for four years I'm like, I can't well there are there are more than a handful of people on Twitter who kind of made their personality, made their career just whining about Donald Trump. And you look, know. <laughs> I, I get the issues. I just, Absolutely. All I ever saw was politics. I'm like, fuck, this is no fun at all. Uh, that and the fact that I, I, no matter what I did, I could not get verified on the platform, which isn't to say I think I deserve to be verified. <laughs> but I worked with a lot of jamokes who did get verified. And I don't know how they did it. And look, it, it a couple months ago, there was a big move to get people verified again. They reopened the applications, and I was astounded at who was uh, was chosen, who was anointed, verified. Because uh, Jamox is one way of saying it, indeed. Well, and the the process now, the application process, which I was rejected for from uh, very recently, it, like they judge you based on how many followers you have, which I guess is valid for that sort of thing, but the previously named Jamokes, no way do they fit the, those those standards in the modern day. There's no way. No. You know what? And honestly, you know what? If they gave me the verification, I'd do everything I could to get rid of it. I don't want to. I am a man of the people. I don't want to be. You are. I don't want to be up in the I don't want to be up in the up in the high castle like that. Dude, you're yeah, you hang out on the south side. <laughs> exactly. You can't you can't be verified and live on the south side. Yeah. That'd be embarrassing. The, the blue check mark is a badge of shame. That, I agree. The, that, that you become Hester Prynne. That is your scarlet letter. <laughs> I still Prynne. tried. I still tried every time they, uh, you know, I tried to get it just so I could whine about having it, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, It'd be a good bit. Guessing, It'd be a good bit. Kevin Kellum got a check mark and I couldn't. And it, that, that stuck, <laughs> stuck in my craw. Uh, so the reason why you're here, and I always enjoy having you, as I mentioned at the, at the beginning of this interview, you're a cinephile. You are, you're a movie dude. I love talking to you about movies especially when I'm talking to you about movies that you curate for something cool. It's almost October. Spooky time is back in America. Halloween is coming up. The music box of horrors returns to the drive-in. Yeah. You know what? It was very last minute as far as these things go um, about, we weren't sure if we were going to bring back the drive-in because the drive-in came around last year. The driving, which is in Pilsen at uh, Chi Town Movies, yeah, yeah, it came as kind of a replacement for the twenty-four hour marathon, which we could not have during COVID uh, at the Music Box Theater, and it was a success. It was a hit, and it was one of my favorite things about the pandemic: going to those drive-in movies. It's kind of Seriously. where our relationship built from, yeah. because. I saw that you posted on Facebook that you wanted to do something with a drive-in. And I said, I think I might have something for you. And then we uh -huh. had you introduce, what do we have you introduce? Black Magic. And yeah. you did one other one. Joseph Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, no, I did Halloween. Or no, did I do Halloween 3 last time? I did Jason You did Halloween 3 for our, yeah. our halfway to Halloween yeah, yeah. thing that we did. So Chi-Town Movies likes us. 
And this, we had no intention of bringing it back, but Jaitown went to Ryan Oestrike, the manager, the GM of the Music Box Theater, and said, would you guys consider bringing this back? And so, you know, he, he called up the band. He called up myself and Katie Wright for the AV Club and Will Morris at the Music Box. And I think he kind of hoped that we would all say, no, we're too busy. We don't want to because it's a, it, it, it's a massive undertaking. Yeah, but, uh, sure. you know, we had a meeting and everybody was so gung-ho about it and ready to do it again that uh we we put it together real fast and programmed 30 nights of terror why is it only 30 well because we didn't want to program against our marathon on uh, the 24th i was wondering what, what the reason was that makes 23rd saturday saturday 23rd is a marathon i said we should do a movie too uh, just be complete you know obnoxious about it but no that marathon's a good time i've i have not done it in a while there has never been a better month in in the history of ever to celebrate on the South side, playoff baseball, music box of fours. This is, this is the time. And I'm still doing the, the Rock Island public house drive in this month too. You're doing Halloween stuff there too. Indeed we are. Indeed we are. I mean, yeah. How can you not? It's fun. Who doesn't like, it's an easy sell. Who doesn't want to go, you know, especially when the weather gets nice like this, go watch your favorite scary movies on a big, big screen. Preferably with a drink and a hot dog in hand. All right. Now you mentioned that. Buyer beware. If you do get the drinks delivered to your car in Pilsen, make sure you have a bottle opener. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's a little pro tip from, from one who's been to the Music Box of Horrors out in Pilsen. But I, like I said, this was one of my favorite things during the pandemic because, as you know, Mike, uh, things were pretty shitty in, in oh, 2020. You don't say. <laughs> and uh, this, was, this was just, it was everything I loved. Like I was getting out of the house. I was seeing horror movies i was seeing a horror movie on the big screen i was doing something fun on generally cold and you know very chicago days it was just everything about it made me happy and it It was it was very exciting to see how and like we sold out just about every night there and we knew going into this year that it was going to be different because there's more competition for us bars are open pretty much back to the regular standard and you got your regular movie theaters open and there's just countless events that we're competing with. But I do think that we put together a very kind of a weird and wild and interesting and fun lineup this year. Because what's, great, what's great about this is that every year we do this, because I'm already thinking about next year is that we get to get weirder and wilder because the options slim down a little bit. Like we couldn't show Nightmare on Elm Street this year because we showed Nightmare on Elm Street last year. So we had to come up with more interesting options. Not more interesting, but maybe left the center. You talked about the reception. I remember, I forgot which movie I saw last year uh, when I saw a crowd of people go to the drive-in in in a hearse. Yeah, the two girls. So if they're watching this, um, (laughs) we're comping your tickets for at least one of the shows. The two girls in the hearse. Uh, I, th- I thought, you know, if you're going to come to a Halloween drive-in event, that's how you do it. I've always wanted a hearse. I always thought that'd be cool to cruise around town. One of those. There's one guy in the neighborhood who has one, and I, I don't think he's an undertaker. I do believe he's just a horror movie nut. See, you want a hearse for Carcon Carne when I'm back doing this in a car? I really want an ice cream truck. I think that'd be badass to do this podcast with. Oh, yeah. yeah we could bands recreate, could perform. Recreate the opening sequence from Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, you could tie in Phantasm if you really want to. That's right. Good call. Thank you. I you could dress like Reggie. Uh-huh. Who just celebrated a birthday. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I interviewed him 
once him and a couple of the other phantasm guys and he's a he's he's a treasure good musician too at what point in our collective history can we all admit that maybe phantasm wasn't that good i want to like it oh you're not a fan i want to like it i i, I here's I the trick Here's the trick with Phantasm. Just accept it as dream logic. Accept it as an American version of an Italian horror film. Or okay, nothing but... really needs to make sense. It's a vibe. It's the vibe of the movie. It's a hangout. It's essentially it's, it's essentially a hangout picture. Because you're really just hanging out with the brothers and Reggie for a lot of it. Totally. Well, let's speaking of Italian, let's segue to the music box of horrors and what's what's happening on screen. Uh, I like how this year it, it's the movies are categorized. You have Serial Killer Sundays, Friday Night Double Features, Thirsty Thursdays. Um, it sounds awful on paper, but it's awesome in real life. New Metal Mondays. And well, that's a, that's that's I mean, look, every generation. I mean, you and I, like, we're a little we have a little bit of an age gap, but like you mentioned that we're at a point interview. now. What's up? You mentioned that in every interview. <laughs> but like I'm starting to feel it because now there are kids who grew up seeing what a lot of the movies we have programmed on new metal Monday. This was Will's baby. A lot of the movies we have programmed on there as kids. And some of the movies I might find laughable, but it scared them when they saw it at five, six years old, when they were on HBO or See, catching, I, I, catching something they shouldn't have been catching. Uh, let's stay on new metal Mondays. I was going to uh, mention Suspiria since we were talking about Italian, uh, but let's stay on new metal Mondays because honestly, I really do like a, a few of these movies. Stigmata, I remember seeing in the theater. That's the one with the uh, Billy Corgan score, right? Yes, it is. And uh, Patricia Arquette. I, I love that Heaven and Hell stuff. I, I'm not in any way, shape, or form religious, but like God versus the devil, that kind of stuff, I always find super interesting in film. It's like the ultimate bad guy, you know? Right. I, 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 I think that movie is more entertaining than most people remember. Now, The Cell, which is also part of New Metal Mondays, I've always loved. That, that I, hooked like, me. I liked The Cell when I saw it when I was 19 or whenever it came out. And I was, I've always been dumbfounded with the amount of hate that it gets. I mean, it is very much style over substance, but what style it is. Oh, that hooked me on Vincent D'Onofrio. Indeed. And I thought Jennifer Lopez was great. And, and it's, Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez is great. I, out of sight, the cell, she's fantastic. Absolutely. It's cool and it's weird. And it's got, I mean, it's scary and it's got some good action. And I do feel like this one has been being rediscovered lately and rightfully so. Bride of Chucky, you know what you're getting with getting with that one. Well, Bride of Chucky, I, Bride of Chucky, I saw that actually at a preview, well, not a preview screen, one of those like two nights before it came out things uh, when I was working at Chicago Ridge Mall. So I always have, a, I have fond memories because, you know, I hadn't thought about the Child's Play movies for a while at that point. And to go with it was a bunch of mall employees sitting there having a blast watching this. And the way they kind of you know turned the series on its head, you know, the first one's kind of a serious. I mean, it's very funny. It's darkly funny, I mm -hmm. think, but takes the concept so seriously to get into like almost that borderline self parody and make it all work. And uh, terrific performances from, of course, Brad Dorff and Jennifer Tilly. The reboot, pro or con? Didn't see it. I enjoyed the reboot. But I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, at this point, <laughs> with as many sequels as Child's Plays had, how bad could the reboot be? And if you have Mark Hamill doing the voice of the doll, like, I'm interested. That's it. All right. So 
New Metal Mondays also featuring Strangeland. Strangeland is a, I saw that when, uh, when it came out too. Strangeland, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember noting that it was sharper than you'd expect it to be. It's kind of a cool parody of, uh, well, it's Dee Snyder, of course. Yeah, it's Dee Snyder. The star, and I think he kind of is turning the idea on its head about, he's kind of taken from that whole uh, thing when uh, Twisted Sister was at the center of the PMRC mm-hmm. controversy in the 80s because he's a serial killer who tries to reform himself and he's not still not accepted after he's jumped through all the hoops. Uh, it's a pretty sharp flick, I think. So I mentioned Suspiria. That's part of Rip Off Saturdays. Now, this is a concept that you have revisited time and again, showing oh, the, the original and then the the what the mess that was spawned by the original. <laughs> this was Katie Rice's idea last year, and it's really the only returning theme that we have this year because it was so well-received, and I know it's something that is near and dear to my heart because it's so fun to track down these uh, rip-offs, and I think we've done some really cool stuff because we have a lot of great foreign rip-offs, too. Like you mentioned Suspiria. This is one that I programmed with uh, 1978's Terror, which is a British Suspiria rip-off from Norman J. Warren, and it's it's trashier than Suspiria, uh, a lot of scantily clad British babes getting off in a variety of colorful ways. I think anybody, I mean, Suspiria, again, like, who doesn't want to see that on a big, big screen? There's that no. great marriage of sight and sound. I think if you stick around, though, you're going to be in for a surprise with terror. Also, a brief cameo, a small role from Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca himself. Fantastic. Uh, Hellraiser. What's the Hellraiser ripoff? Ro? It's Roe. It is. I, I don't a, know this. It's it's a foreign ripoff. And I'm uh, I'm having a moment. I, th- I believe it to be Indonesian. Okay. Uh, I am. I'm let me hit it right now. But it's essentially like a ripoff of the first two Hellraiser films. And it's from, I believe I'm 100% right. Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. It's cool. It's weird. Uh, we got a great set of subtitles. The funny, here's a good funny story about the subtitles. Subtitles were actually done by a friend of mine, uh, Jason Kaufman, another Chicago cinephile. And what he did essentially was. Because there were no subtitles for this film in English. It's never been brought over. It's never been translated. He watched it side by side with Hellraiser and kind of just took the Hellraiser dialogue and put it on to the ripoff. And it all works. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and we I, didn't know. I, we didn't even realize we used his. When Will found the subtitles, we didn't even realize it was this guy, Jason, who we all know. That's amazing. And there's a lot of great screenings at the Davis. He's a like, you think I've seen some movies like he's the guy who I like I'm the way you are with me that I'm like that with him. Like, how do you have time to see all this stuff and just Hello. knows it all? I, I haven't seen Hellraiser for a while, but the last time I watched it, I did think this was a really subversive feeling movie for its time. Indeed, especially the first two. Now, first, my personal favorite is three, where it really gets kind of very pop horror and they're trying to mm-hmm. turn him into Freddy Krueger. But yeah, I mean, you can't beat Clive Barker for transgressive. I mean, it really is. Uh, Serial Killer Sundays, we mentioned The Cell. Could It could have gone both ways. Could have been New Middle Mondays. Could have worked for Serial Killer Saturdays. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know there was a lot of that, with, particularly with like uh, our, Thursday, Sundays, thir- our Thursday Thursdays where we'd be like, okay, you know, if it's a vampire movie, we've got to place it on Thursday. And, and Serial Killer Sundays, 
Uh, American Psycho, that movie still holds up. Be Classic, we're showing this this weekend. Uh, I am a fan of Brett Easton Ellis. I know he is a divisive character. I enjoy his podcast. Uh, I like his provocative, contrarian nature. Uh, but I do think that the director, Mary Heron, like, I think it's kind of this great marriage, even though I don't think, I think he came around on the movie, eventually, Brett Easton Ellis, to have a, you know, the female gaze placed upon this very kind of male gazey. Uh, story and i think she really kind of took the essence of american psycho which if you some people find the book to be unreadable because he goes into so much detail into the characters apartments Mm -hmm. and what they have but that's you know kind of the point of it to parody to riff on that 80s and 90s yuppie culture but i think the film kind of like i said distills it to its best elements and it makes for a fun uh serial killer slasher flick Seven? No, I mean, what's not to love about Seven? Seven's just a great picture. It is. And back before the internet, that ending wasn't spoiled for me, and it, it made my jaw drop. Yeah, you know what? I uh, I didn't catch I didn't catch that till when I rented it on Laserdisc when it came out. I didn't get to see that one at the show. And yeah, I had no idea what that, and it's still, it's still shocking that they did it, that they pulled it off. Yeah, very not Hollywood. Uh, some other highlights I, I felt were uh, definitely were, worth mentioning. Altered States. I hadn't thought about that one in a while. Yeah, that was programmed by our man, Raul Batinas. He uh, he does programming at Comfort Station. He does a lot of stuff with uh, Chicago Underground and Chicago International. And uh, he wanted to do a night. And Altered States is a real cool, weird Ken Russell flick from the early 80s if that deals with... Uh, sensory deprivation and all sorts of weird metaphysical stuff flotation this flotation yeah yeah it's cool and it's strange and i i i I, you know this is definitely one you don't see playing at the on the drive-in circuit on the reg on the reg no now it's funny you mentioned that i hosted a few of these movies in the past year and a half and you said hey you know we're doing this again what movie do you want to host and you sent me the list without hesitating i wrote back Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, to which you said, yeah, Scott Lucas of Local H already claimed that. A funny story. I ran into into Herb Rosen, owner of Liars Club over the weekend. He's like, hey, are you going to do Music Box of Horrors again? I said, yeah. I volunteered myself for He's like, don't say Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm like, that's it. He's like, yeah, I wanted that one too, but I was told that Lucas was doing it. So then I have a question for you. What is it about that movie that resonates with you guys because you're all about the same age. Like, what is it about that picture? Well, I mean, hands down, I think it's one of the best horror movies ever made. The the paranoia, I think the the acting, I mean, Donald Sutherland, Jeff Goldblum, Leonard Nimoy, the acting is phenomenal in that movie. Uh, And just, it's so tense. And that idea that if you go to sleep, you're fucked, you will never return, is terrifying. And so I, I posted something about this maybe a month or so ago, and maybe it was Nick DiGilio or someone said all the invasion movies have been good. The original one from the 50s, and I had never watched the one from the 90s. The Abel I, Ferraro one. That's really fucking good. I had that's no really idea. really good. And uh, then there's the Nicole Kidman one right. from a Just couple invasion, years ago, yeah. too. I mean, but that's that's a testament to how great that story is, and for better or worse, how it's always prescient. Uh in yeah, the it world that we live the in, it yeah. does. It just yeah, that, that paranoia and just what's behind someone's someone's facade. Like what what are they thinking? And what, how, what's 
how sharp was it to move the story to, you know, you know, uber liberal 70s San Francisco? Oh, the me generation and uh, Nimoy is a pop psychiatrist in that movie. It is just, you know, for me, you asked what, what was it about that movie for me and for Herb and for Lucas? For me, it was like the first serious horror movie I ever saw. It was the first one to really leave a mark as a kid. It was the one that I blew my mind. It has hands down one of the top five best endings in movie history, in my estimation. Oh, that's a good one. It's got that creepy dog with the human mask. Oh, yeah, the banjo playing dude. Yeah. But again, before the Internet, there was no way you could have that ending spoiled. And it was just that was that was it. That was a showstopper. You know, everyone files out of the movie movie theater just silent because they couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I mean, as is as high regarded as the original one is, I feel like the 78 one has eclipsed it almost at this point. And you know, I rewatched the original one recent ish, recently ish. Uh, that really does hold up. And there is that theory, which I'm sure you've heard, that the one in 78 is a continuation yes. of the original because the lead actor has a cameo moment in the 1978 uh, yes. movie. Jack Finney, is that right? Yes, yes. And I think um, one or the other, I think I think there might be another one, I, but don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, Asian and the Body Snatchers, 78, one of the great remakes of all time. It's up there with The Thing and The Blob, I think, as remakes that that best or at the very least give the original a run for its money again that cast donald sutherland what a fantastic lead uh jeff goldblum ally mcgraw no ally mcgraw is it no is it Allie? no 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 i messed i think i messed that up uh, no brooke adams brooke adams that's yeah. what i'm sorry she looks like ally mcgraw uh but that's great that's on a tuesday night tuesday october 12th uh, that to me, if so, look out for Scott Lucas's intro on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, I hope I didn't spoil anything. But no, um, no, no. And it's it's funny. I was talking to her about this whole event, how much we love it, and he's like, "Did you see what I did last year?" I'm like, "No." So last year he introduced the Omen for the music <laughs> box of horrors. Well, he yeah, which is one one of the reasons why he was like, "Hey, he's going to come back and do one, right?" I said, "I sure hope so," but I don't know how he's going to top it. Yeah. After showing me what he did, and it's on the Liars Club YouTube. Uh, I was intimidated to the point where I thought I'm just going to call Mike and tell him I can't do it this year. Like <laughs> I, I, if, if I had seen that before I did my intro to you know, Jason goes to hell, I wouldn't have done it. Oh, it no. Every, that, every, everybody's good. got their own style. Everybody's got their own style. And of course, Herb's is going to be over the top. All right. So it's okay literally if I just... over the top off the side <laughs> of the building. It's okay. If I just do what I do. Oh yeah. Okay. That's all. That's all Lucas does. It's all anybody else. Did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, I feel better. Herb just swings for defenses. He's a showman. He can't help it. He is a showman. All right. So October 20th, the mummy. Is this the hammer mummy? Yes. So this is this. I'm glad you uh, you highlighted this one because this is being presented by myself and Adam Carson with the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show podcast, the podcast that I host, where we take a double feature to play around the Chicagoland area. And uh, kind of on the podcast, we talk about not only the two movies, but the history of the theater that it played at. Uh, what was going on? I, I love this podcast. This is a fantastic. Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And you know what was going on in the time uh, in the world at the time, and we kind of relate that all. And it's a real cool podcast. I really like it. And we've been doing nights at the Music Box Theater this month. We did Blood Feast and Scum of the Earth. We did Herschel Gordon Lewis double feature. And for October, we're doing it at the Drive-In, and we're recreating a double feature that came to Chicago in 1959, September of 1959, with The Mummy, Hammers the Mummy, 1958. Of course, one of the best Mummy movies. And 
a little scene, uh, definitely a cult oddity, Curse of the Undead from 1959, a uh, vampire Western. Nice. Yeah. But, but you said it, the, the Hammer Mummy is one of the best. Well, I think oh, it's yeah, one, of the be- one of the best mummy movies, sure, but one of the best Hammer movies. Absolutely. You get Christopher Lee as the mummy who, like, he's already a big dude. And I don't know how they, like, the way they photograph in that movie, they make him look gigantic. And then you have the great Peter Cushing as the hero, uh, shot in that great, great Technicolor, real cool uh, entry in the Hammer series. And again, we're talking about the drive-in, the idea of seeing one of these classic, these iconic horror movies on a drive-in screen. Probably the way a lot of people saw that movie in the 1950s. Yeah, I'm sure this double feature played uh, countless drive-ins in 1959. There were a whole bunch of them around Chicagoland. So the question is, it's a Halloween event. You do it in October. How do you decide? How do you decide what movie makes the cut for Halloween itself? Because that's that's something you have to be really careful about curating. So that was, you know, that was the subject of much debate. Well, it wasn't even the subject of debate as it was like, a lot of it was like, yeah, how do we close it? What do we do? And there were a couple of ideas that we had, but like we couldn't clear the rights for them for one reason or other. Either we don't know who owns the rights to them or we couldn't get a hold of the right people just in time for the announcement. And uh, this was actually, this was my idea. This was when I, I just said, you know, what about, you know, we, t- we're, we were leaning older. And I said, well, let's try something that maybe a little bit newer that really has seems to have captured the imagination of a lot of horror fans. Uh, and that's uh, 2007's anthology horror film, uh, Trick or Treat. Not the Gene Simmons heavy metal one no, from no, the 17, no. and that trick, trick or Treats, which was a, you know, kind of a forgettable a horror pot boiler from the early 80s. No, this is a terrific <laughs> anthology film. And I, I like the reason, one of the reasons I went for it was because let's end it with a movie that's set on Halloween because surprisingly in the horror world, there aren't a lot of horror movies set on Halloween. There's the original Halloween, there's Night of the Demons and Trick or Treat. I'm sure there's a handful of others that I'm neglecting to mention, but they're not as plentiful as you would expect. And I think Trick or Treat really kind of captures that spooky vibe of Halloween uh, better than a lot of movies. Are you a fan of this one? I am. I I like anthologies. And anthologies are like some of the best horror stories because I do think that the best horror stories clock in, you know, at 70 minutes, you know. So with an anthology, you get five great stories. And I like the way this one moves with all the characters kind of intersecting through each story. It's super fun. All right. So, again, the music box of horrors, it returns. It is in Pilsen. Uh, it is fantastically fun. Get a carload of friends. Hang out, see some kick-ass movies, expertly curated. Get there early enough to answer some trivia questions for some obscure. Yeah, we're gonna have we always movies on Blu-ray. We have trivia. We have trivia. I run the trivia, so like it's gonna be difficult. You know, I put people to task on that. Like when I'm sending them off to Ryan and Will, I was I had to preface uh, or you know preface. Is this one too hard? Am I going too deep on this? But people will come up with them. People figure them out. They're they're usually pretty damn hard. (laughs) You gotta make it. You can't make it too easy. You can't make them too easy. All right. So if people want to get their tickets, and like you said, last year, like every night was pretty much sold out. Yeah, tickets uh, tickets are moving fast on this, especially now that we're coming up on the opening night, which is this Friday night with uh, From Dust Till Dawn and Perdita Durango, a terrific uh, double feature right there. That's going to blow a lot of people's minds uh, if you haven't seen Perdita Durango. And From Dust Till Dawn is one of my all-time favorite 
vampire movies. Hey, can I ask you a question? When you saw From Dusk Till Dawn, did you know that it was a vampire movie? Not really. See, I'm shocked at how many people didn't know that because when I was waiting for that, when I was 15 years old, I was excited because it was Quentin Tarantino doing a horror movie. And then when I talked to people who didn't know that it turns I mean, I don't know if I'm spoiling this or anybody, but it's got it's fucking been up for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, halfway through it, it starts as kind of a crime thriller and then mm-hmm. leans into a horror movie. I think it's just great soundtrack. Oh, of course, of uh, course. Terrific, uh, terrific cast of character actors, great special effects by KNB. And, you know, one of the rare times you could see, I mean, the script is by Quentin Tarantino. So it's a Quentin Tarantino written horror movie. That's the way you kick it off. I asked how you end it, but that, that's really, that's how you kick it off. Yeah, right I thought there. that was, that, that, I think this weekend is really kind of an ass kicker. Oh, yeah. You got Suspiria on Saturday night in American Psycho on Sunday. And you start the week fresh with Bride of Chucky. <laughs> yeah a little bit i mean that's another that's another thing when you talk about programming picking the movies and stuff mm-hmm. it's like i have my areas of expertise that i like i like the seven i like 70s and 80s stuff but um you need to uh, you need to branch out we got a lot of 2000 stuff one of the other double features i programmed was the 2005 house of wax the paris hilton oh, yeah. one which mm-hmm. definitely has been uh People have been talking about that one a lot more lately. People have, are coming around on that one. But with one of my absolute favorites, 1988's Waxwork. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. forgot to mention that. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun one, too. And that was a fun one to kind of like, okay, which two wax movies I'm going to put together? Because the Wax Museum is has been fodder for countless horror movies since the 20s, I think. And uh, one more. I think we've covered every movie at this point. But uh, I'm trying to say goodbye. But it's worth mentioning I know. that. One more. One more. Uh, Night Beast is on October 19th. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned this one. This was, this is my baby. This is my baby. This is my Jason Goes to Hell this year. Like, because I really, are you familiar with this film? I'm not, but on the Music Box Theater website, Don Doler, who wrote and directed this movie, believed in three tenets of filmmaking, boobs, blood, and beasts. Yeah, I wrote this. This is is my copy. Yes, I'm such a big fan. Don Doler is a Baltimore filmmaker, you know, Baltimore, home of him, home of John Waters, you know, and he's kind of the very first radio interview I ever did. John Waters. How was he? Amazing. He's John Waters. Yeah, he seems like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. But no, no, no. Baltimore, you know, gave birth to John Waters, gave birth to Don Doler. Don Doler is I can say he's like he's an outsider artist. He's, you know, a, a notable name in regional horror that not a lot of people know. He uh, kind of an Ed Wood type. He he did a lot of he had a finger in a lot of pies. Like he had a, he started a magazine called Cinefix magazine. He wrote a couple books about filmmaking. And then he finally made a film. I believe his debut is 1978's The Alien Factor. Now, Don Doler essentially remade the same movie four three four times throughout his career and it's about an alien or a supernatural being terrorizing a uh, small town and he uses a lot of he's got like a a stock of actors that he he likes to choose from so he did the alien factory did fiend he did the galaxy invader in 1985 galaxy invader is notable for mystery science theater fans if you've ever seen the film one of my favorite episodes pod people the opening credits are from a different movie and that's don doler's galaxy invader uh, but I think he really perfected the formula with Night Beast. I mean, this movie hits the ground running and it just it gives you everything you want. It's even got like it's kind of a riff on Jaws because there's a mayor character who doesn't want to call off his pool party, despite the Night Beast tearing, tearing apart people in town. Um, it was a I don't even I don't know if it ever played a movie theater. I've been meaning to research this and find <laughs> out. It was kind of a direct. It, I think it did well on video and then trauma. 
uh, distributed in the 90s. Of course it is. And then, uh, who is it? Agfa did a really nice restoration with vinegar, vinegar syndrome. So there's a terrific Blu-ray out of this out on this one now. But as I said, I don't know how many movie theaters Night Beast has ever played or will play again. So this is one you're definitely not going to want to miss. It's a special night, October 19th. Really, it, <laughs> what, a, what a great lineup. Uh, the worst thing about this is I can't go every night. Like this. Yeah, neither can so I. I, I, I. Like, I think I have to work the, the opening night. Like, I'm like, I can't even get out there, you know, because I like to, you know, see what's going on up there. And it, but it's not like I haven't seen a lot of these movies before, but it is kind of that thrill of going to see them on the big screen. And especially you get a couple nice nights in October where you can, you're not trapped. You're not confined to your car, which is great too. So you can bring a little transistor radio, set up your chairs and, you know, and I think this year you could even kind of mill around and talk to some other horror fans while you're right. there. Uh, another pro tip. I mentioned the bottle opener. If you think you have, if you think there was a chance you have to pee, if you feel it coming <laughs> on, if you know it's 15 minutes away, leave at that point. Cause it's a long ramp up inside. Oh, it's a long restrooms. walk. <laughs> <laughs> I almost lost. I, I, I almost wet myself a couple of times going up them stairs. Yeah. See, you gotta be strategic. Know, know, know your bladder trust your body and make sure you, you, you afford yourself plenty of walking time. Uh, it like, this is so much fun. I know this is a, a, just a shitload of work uh, for, well, for when you, you're a horror, music box, when you're a horror professional, you just have to accept and a bartender because uh, Halloween is a, one of the best bartending days. Oh yeah. Bartending months of the year. Like you just accept that you're just going to get no sleep for the next month, but really it's so satisfying when I see so many people get so excited about, going to these events like that's why i do it and here's the it, crazy thing when halloween month is over i'm sad and oh. i realize that there are so many people who are happy like all of a sudden it's all holidays and holiday music bums me out bring i'll me see trick or treat bring me altered states bring me I, I i love i love christmas too but i mean it's always been halloween uh for always. me since i was getting never ever trust anyone who doesn't enjoy halloween never agreed agreed all right, so if people want to get in on this, uh, Music Box website. Music yes. Box website's the best place to do it. Uh, you know, Stay tuned to our Twitter and our Instagram. We're going to be posting a bunch of fun stuff about the movies, kind of hyping them up. Uh, I, I really think everybody's in for a treat this year. I love it. I love and come it. out Vanderbilt. so we can do it again next year. Yeah, there's no reason this can't happen every year. I mean, it's October. People love to go see horror movies at the drive-in. I love Perfect it. place. I'm going to stop the Facebook Live. Thank you, everybody, for watching on Facebook and or YouTube and for listening on your platform of choice. That's Mike Vanderbilt, for God's sakes.